Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven talk radio that promotes happiness from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights trendsetters and change agents who offer sound emotional fitness tips for improving mental muscle tone and greater well-being. Guest experts include a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who are devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and positive lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today we're talking about what it means to be an empowered mama. Um, We have listeners at all life stages on this show, but today we're focusing on motherhood and how we can reclaim our time and ourselves while raising our children. My guest today is Lisa Druxman. She is a mom on a mission. She's also an author of the book, The Empowered Mama, How to Reclaim Your Time and Yourself While Raising a Happy, Healthy family. Lisa Drexman is the founder of Fit for Mom, the country's largest fitness programs for moms, a noted speaker, author, podcaster herself, and we'll talk about that during the show, and Powerhouse of Energy, a self-proclaimed idea monkey and hashtag mom boss. Lisa is passionate about helping women get out of overwhelm and into a life of health and happiness. She's a respected speaker and author. Lisa Druxman earned her master's degree at San Diego State University in psychology with an emphasis on exercise, adherence, and weight control. She learned the weight management program program Lean Mommy. I'm going to say that again, Ben. She created the weight management program Lean Mommy. And we're going to talk about what Lean Mommy is with Lisa Druxman. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. That was like the in-depth bio. <laughs> oh, well, listen, you guys we, went back into the, the, the attic or the basement for that one. I love it. Uh, fun. Well, let's talk about what, what a lean mommy is. Well, um, that was my first book was lean mommy and, uh, lean actually stands for learn eating awareness and nutrition. So since I have become a mom 16 years ago, I have been all about raising healthy moms so they can raise healthy kids in a healthy world. And I just believe so much in the power of moms. And I believe we are raising the next generation of leaders. So I think it's important that moms be able to take care of themselves. Well, you know, the old adage, you know, if, if mommy's not happy, nobody's happy, right? I, <laughs> I, know, think I know. So moms need to spend a little more time figuring out what brings them joy. 
Yes. And, and, and joy comes from so many places. And one of the places that I know it's best cultivated is starting with the self and that's through self-care. And yeah. that's really the focus of your business, uh, fit for mom. So talk a little bit about fit for mom and, and, and how it had its genesis for you actually. <laughs> well, the genesis was, you know, it's the mother of invention. Um, I had one of those aha moments while I was on a stroller workout with my son 16 years ago. I had so many questions about motherhood. I had questions about sleeping and nursing, and I knew nothing about motherhood, and I had no mom friends. So I decided to start a workout, um, really for very selfish purposes, just so I could create that community, um, and I called it Stroller Strides. And apparently, I wasn't the only person looking for that connection and looking to get out with your baby and get back in shape, uh, because it took off, and it turned into a business, and... So Stroller Strides turned into, there was more programs fit for baby, our prenatal program. We added Body Back, which is our high intensity interval, very transformational program. And we became fit for mom. And so we franchised the business and we now have 300 franchisees nationwide. That is incredible. 300 franchises. Wow. Uh, you know, the, and you're filling a need because I mean, moms really need community. Moms really need to find a place to have an outlet for talking about concerns, sharing stories. And I think it is community in community where we find our joy. I do. I do. And I think that, you know, you think about past generations or other cultures where when women had a baby, they were surrounded by a village. And in some cultures, you lie in for 40 days and they do everything to just take care of the mom. But here in the United States, we have that baby and we're immediately thrown back into taking care of the baby all by ourselves and taking care of the home. And it's hard. And so while the motherhood is real, I think that if we can come together as a community, it's really the best gift that we can give to our family by taking care of us. And when you talk about Fit for Mom and the three levels of programming that you have within the, the company, you also focus a lot about nutrition and self-care. Yes. I mean, if we can take care of mom, then we take care of the family. So we um, teach about, you know, whole food eating and getting rid of all the chemicals and processed foods. And, you know, it's not about any kind of extreme diet. It's about fuel and because mom needs energy and she needs to feel good. And so if you talk about our prenatal program, the food is how we build this baby. And then even after you have the baby, we still need the energy, we need the strength, and then we become a model for our family. And so they see what mom eats. Remember, they don't, they know our kids never do what we say, but they definitely do what we do. So it's important that we model all the behaviors. Um, I really like to think about it like we want to live as we one day want our kids to live. If we want our kids to eat healthier, stress less, have more fun, exercise more, they're going to learn it from us. And speaking of all of that, when we talk about time management, this is a chief complaint that I hear from many of my colleagues who are who are parents, not just yes. moms, is how do you find or create um, enough time in your day to sort of fire on all of those cylinders, you know, where you're accomplishing your work, you're engaging with your family in a meaningful, connected way, you're having adequate rest and having adequate play, which is highly underrated. 
I agree. I agree. A big part of the book is about time because that's what moms are always saying they want more of. They always say, if I could just have a few more hours in the day. And my thought is if you had a few more hours in the day, you would feel exactly as you feel right now. We have to be really purposeful in how we choose to use those hours. So in the book, we do some activities where we really have you focus in on what's most important to you. I call them MITs, your most important things. And we build our schedule around what's most important to us. And the things that get dropped off are the things that we become very reactive to in life. Um, you know, social media and how that can soak up so much time and going to the market multiple times because we weren't intentional about planning for our meals. And so figuring out ways that we are building our schedule around what's most important and then pruning from our lives, taking out the things that are a reaction rather than being truly responsive. So give us some hacks of, of uh, time efficiency, way, ways that we can make the most of our time with our children, with our friends and family. Well, I think the first thing is to create a budget for your time, just like you create a budget for your money. Go get a spreadsheet out or go get a Google calendar. And I want you to actually plug in what would a perfect day look like for you? I don't mean perfect as in you're not working. I mean a perfect as in a real life. If everything went really well, I would have time for exercise. I would have time for quality time with my kids. And you plug it in so that you can see, does this even work with a plan? And you build your schedule around that. As far as some of the hacks go, I really would like people to think about what can you delegate? And that doesn't mean that you have an assistant. That means that maybe you buy roasted chicken and cut up vegetables at the market. Maybe you order your clothes from, you know, Stitch Fix or Leto or one of the many companies that will now do the clothes shopping for you. Maybe you do your grocery shopping online. But figuring out ways to create efficiencies so that we aren't creating the same patterns every single week of just time on things that aren't important to us. I love delegation. Love it uh, in, in multiple ways. You know, A, it allows us to actually work in community. I mean, it, it, ironically, mm -hmm. right, when we delegate yeah. to, to team members, but also these hacks where we're, where we're calling upon the beauty of the Internet, the positive attributes of cyberspace yes. to, uh, to make our lives a little more simple. Yes. And, you know, I really think that moms feel like they're supposed to do all the things. I think our job as moms is to raise self-sufficient adults. So obviously you can't have your baby or your toddler doing a whole lot, but you'd be surprised at how soon you can have your kids helping and being part of the team. I think of family as a team. And so when your kids are ready and it's probably sooner than you think, have them start doing their laundry, have them empty the dishwasher, have them set the table, have them help with the dishes. Um, and my family, it really, really feels like a team. They might roll their eyes and do it begrudgingly sometimes, but it's not about mom doing all the work. Agreed. You talk um, about the languages of love challenge in your book. And the book we're talking about is your newest one, The Empowered Mama, yes. How to Reclaim Your Time and Yourself While Raising a Happy, Healthy Family. Because love is the secret sauce. Let's just jump right in here. <laughs> <laughs> It is. Remember when I said that we did those MITs, the most important things? The yes. first time I did that activity, I had said my most important things were family, my business, and myself. And then I realized I needed to separate out, separate out family and marriage. 
because my marriage was really getting neglected. I was spending all my time on work and all my time on the kids and nothing with my marriage. So I started focusing on what can I learn to reinvest back in that. And uh, I definitely used Gary Chapman's Five Languages of Love book, which you just mentioned, as a first way to start going, okay, how do we start understanding each other's language of love and depositing back into that? And that is a great book, by the way. For those of you who don't know it, it is really, um, it's fabulous. And it breaks down the love languages into the simple forms. So you see how you like to be loved and how you give love. Because sometimes they're different. They are. That You know, Jason and I did it. Um, 17 years into our marriage, we did, we, there's a quiz. You can take it for free online. He watched me take mine. I watched him take his. And guess what? We were so off on each other's language of love. So it's changed a lot for us. Try to provide love to one another um, and being sensitive to that our languages of love are different. And how discovering this love language can be impactful to make your partner your lover again. And I think that's really an important part of happiness and, and being a good mom. It is. You know, I my kids are now a little older, so 16 and 12. My son is a junior in high school, and I'm realizing, you know what? Before you know it, they're going to be off at college and on their own, but Jason and I are going to be the ones together. So I want to make sure we're investing in that relationship the whole way around and that we're not just roommates. We're going to dash off to a break. And when we come back, we'll carry on the conversation with Lisa Druxman, the founder of Fit for Mom and the author of The Empowered Mama, How to Reclaim Your Time and Yourself While Raising a Happy, Healthy Family. To learn more, please visit lisadruxman.com on Twitter at Lisa Druxman and on Facebook. Guess what? Lisa Druxman. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Wait, wait, wait. Before we take that break, I want to talk about creativity and how making things can make you a happier and healthier person. Today's sponsor, Craftsy, is the digital destination devoted entirely to makers. More than 13 million enthusiasts from artists to quilters and beyond make Craftsy their home for binge-worthy on-demand content and access to the world's top experts and curated supplies, all served up in a fun-loving creative community. This year, resolve to live a more creative life. Sign up for your seven-day free trial at craftsy.com slash happiness. Once again, it's seven days of free craftsy at craftsy.com slash happiness. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that's a promise. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery. 
which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I'm talking with Lisa Druxman, who is the founder of Fit for Mom. She's also the author of The Empowered Mama, How to Reclaim Your Time and Yourself While Raising a Happy, Healthy Family. And prior to the break, we were talking about love, love, love. And now we're going to talk <laughs> about falling back in love with motherhood, because I know I'm a mom as well. My kids are a bit older at this point, but it's, it's hard to stay in love with being a parent it is. It really is. You know, I think the way to fall back in love with motherhood is to close your eyes and think back to the first time you held that sweet baby and think about what you wanted to share and give to that baby in their life. And you look back for me, looking at pictures and, and that connecting to those feelings, looking back at the videos from when they were really little you have so much hope and you have so much belief. And then what unfortunately tends to happen as your kids get older is we all get caught up in a cycle. We get caught up in a cycle of doing instead of being. And I always say we're, we're human beings. We're not human doings. We get caught in a cycle of all the carpools. We get caught in a cycle of all the tasks that need to happen and the homework. And whether it's whining and complaining as a toddler to eye rolling as a teenager, and so I think one of the ways to fall back in love with motherhood is to remember the gift that you wanted to share and that you are raising people who are going to be the next generation of leaders and to get excited about it. I think most of us can agree, no matter what your political affiliation is, that not very many of us are super happy with how the world is running right now. And that needs change. And to realize that we are leading the next generation of leaders as parents. Yeah. We are the ones raising the people who are going to change the world. And so if you realize that your job is more than laundry and carpools, and you really have an incredibly important job to teach values, I think when you connect to that and you connect to the love, that's when you fall back in love with motherhood. I agree. I, well, that, that sense of purpose, you know, that we are here helping to mold a next generation is a huge motivator for me when I look at my kids beyond the laundry and the eye rolling and all yes. the things that we discussed. Um, and it really is, we, we do hold the future or they hold the future in their hands and we're helping shepherd them, you know, in the right direction. That is the job of a parent, I think. It is. And doesn't it break your heart when you hear someone say, I'm just a mom? Like, I really, truly, with every fiber of my being, believe that being a mom is the most important job you can have. But for a lot of us working mamas, then we always think like, well, I have a sense of purpose with my work. And we have to reconnect to that sense of purpose in motherhood. That is my greatest purpose above my business, above my work, is to raise these 
competent, good, kind, giving people who will, again, be the leaders of our next generation. I see it in my own kids. I, my, my daughter is almost 21 and my son is going to be 18 any minute. And I look at them both and reflect back with frequency now at this point at the road that they've traveled and how they are standing on their own two feet, how they are driven, how they have become competent, how they are um, leading a self-possessed life that is not just about themselves, but consideration for, for what is going on in the world. I think that that's, um, that's very rewarding as a parent to be able to see that. I do too. I do too. And I look forward to that as well. It's uh, it's it th that is the prize, and we don't do it alone. I think it's also really important when we look at parenthood and we have this conversation that we realize that none of us does this alone. And if if for those of us out there who are striving for perfection, it doesn't exist, mm -hmm. you know. And um, it takes a village, especially for the working mamas, as you call us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and how do you how do you tell the women that you work with that you you know share your experience that you handle you know the strive for perfection the strive for sort of being that you know that uber mom the one that keeps it all together and you know like the old Anjali commercial and I don't know if you remember it or if you're even <laughs> yeah uh, old enough to remember it <laughs> I'm old enough to remember it I don't know if your <laughs> listeners are but I am <laughs> yes the listeners are and and for those of you who aren't there was a a, a perfume commercial um, many decades ago where a woman knows how to bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan and never let her uh, guy forget he's a man. <laughs> you know, she oh, the, the do it all, be it all girl. <laughs> oh, times have maybe changed. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't know. This, this Anjali mom is beat. <laughs> you know, it's so. funny. I, um, have a few moms who on social media saw my book and said, you know, oh gosh, you know, I, I don't think I could do all this stuff perfect because the book is actually broken up into a year where they, we talk about, um, fueling your family in one and fitness in another. And people think that there's this expectation that you're supposed to do all of this perfect and nothing could be further from the truth. I actually use an example in the book of this plane metaphor. So I'm in San Diego, where are you guys located? We are up north in Malibu. Okay, so that would be a short plane flight. But let's say we were going to New York. So San Diego to New York. In an ideal world, there'd be a perfect track to get me from San Diego to New York. But when I speak to pilots, they actually tell me that they're off track 90% of the time. They're a little bit over, a little bit under, a little over, a little under. And they, most of the time, get to New York. My thought with Empowered Mama is, let's figure out where you're trying to go. Are you trying to find a new purpose, realign with your values, get healthier, stronger, fitter. And it's not about being perfect along the way. It's just moving towards your target a little bit each day. I'm a very big proponent on that baby steps will get you anywhere you want to go. So it's just moving you in the right direction. Yes, moving the needle ever so slightly, right? Just a little quarter of an inch and, and, and a little bit of that every day. And pretty soon you are making big, big shifts. And the practice, right? I mean, the, the the art of change comes from the relentless practice, the yep. willingness to just repeat, do and repeat, do and repeat. 
We talk a lot in the book about your thoughts and the power of your thoughts, because so very often it is our thoughts that are holding us back and that we get into cycles of being a victim. We get into a cycle of, I can't, a cycle of overwhelm. And so we talk about how to change those thoughts and how to turn more powerful thoughts into powerful actions. And then we turn those actions into habits because when it's a habit, it's easy to do. You don't have to think about it. Think about Whatever habit you have in your life, whether it is brushing your teeth or whatever you might do as just a habit, you don't have to think about it. So we really work on figuring out what's important to you, working on changing those thoughts and turning them into habits that are going to help you feel empowered, regain your time and regain yourself. When we talk about um, stressors that have built up over time, and and this is for everybody, man or woman, yep. um, you know, it, it, um, time builds stress. I mean, mm-hmm. life is stressful, and and we will not eliminate stress. So I think it's um it's an irrational expectation to think that we can eradicate stress from our lives. The best we can do is learn to manage it more artfully. Yep. Yeah. So we can prevent how we react to stress and we can manage it once it happens. Like there is always going to be, you know, it's there's stimulus and response. There's always going to be stressful situations that happen. And so I really believe in figuring out what is your minimum effective dose? What can you do daily that is going to help you feel less stressed. And so we talk about meditation in the book and breathing exercises. And for everybody, it's different. Exercise is a really big one, though, for almost everybody as far as decreasing stress. And then having some stuff in your back pocket when you've got those stressful situations of tools you can use so that you can deal with those stressful things. But I'm a really big advocate of exercise, moving your body. I I, I always say I only exercise on the days that I want to feel good move your body. Our (laughs) bodies are meant to move and meditation and, uh, meditation certainly doesn't mean that we're sitting there with no thoughts. I've been meditating for 25 years. I've never had a single session where I had no thoughts. That's actually not possible. It is the act of bringing your thoughts back to an anchor, a sound, a breath. Um, And I can tell you that the more you make that a daily practice, part of your practice, we really get a chance to start to decrease that stress and handle stress better when it comes into our life. And when we talk about um, the the thoughts, you know, and types of meditation, I think many people think, well, I've got to sit cross-legged, you know, (laughs) draped in robes with, you know, chanting music playing in the background. And there's so many forms of meditation, including exercise. You know, there are uh, forms of exercise that get one into that meditative state, like running. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Consider it a moving meditation. And for some people, it's prayer and reading their Bible. And, you know, so there's many different ways to get into that state. And technology has really been a really great way to help us nowadays. Like there's some incredible apps. I do a whole list in the book that are out there and there's more coming out every single day that are free. I'll get, you know, Calm, Headspace, Insight Timer. Um, And I can give you links to those for your show notes. Um, So there's Lots of ways that you can just turn on your phone and have somebody guide you through a meditation. Yep. And YouTube. 
You could find it. You yes. could find a meditation 24 seven on YouTube, you know, picking music that you like or no music at all. So yes, I agree with you about meditation. I've been a practitioner for many years myself and I know the value of it, but going back to exercise and the importance of it for our own well being and also modeling that behavior for our kids. And then I, we're going to need to wrap because boy, we've blown through this. Um, but you know, how to get the kids turned on by exercise. Yep. Um, so I, you know, that's one of the things I was most proud of when we first created Stroller Strides is the kids are actually there and seeing that mom loves to exercise. And by the time these toddlers start to speak, they actually say that they want to go to Stroller Strides. So I think that's a really important thing. And then when your kids are too big for the stroller, I think it's really important to make family fitness a thing. Go for family bike yeah. rides. When you're at the playground with them, don't just sit and look at your phone. Go play tag. Get up and enjoy moving with them. I just had a sort of a morbid thought. Like we want the kids to exercise. We push their strollers when they're little because they're going to be pushing our wheelchairs when we're older. Yes. So we want them to be fit and strong in order to do so. Um, that was a terrible joke, but it is true. <laughs> <laughs> some truth to it. There is some truth to it. We're out of time. Thank you, Lisa Drexman, for being with me on the show today. To learn more about Lisa Drexman and her work and Fit for Mom, please visit lisadrexman.com. The book we've been talking about is The Empowered Mama, How to Reclaim Your Time and Yourself While Raising a Happy, Healthy Family. You can find Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Drexman and on Facebook, Lisa Drexman. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at HarvestingHappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control, ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, the glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life, and at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we're continuing the conversation about leadership in action, building businesses and communities of impact. My next guest has been doing just that in the great city of Los Angeles, Tammy Halton Pardee is the CEO and principal broker of Halton Pardee and Partners, 
the leading residential real estate firm in Southern California, known for connecting people and changing lives, as well as leading philanthropy efforts with the company's Life Change Warriors program. Tammy received her undergraduate degree from Boston University and her MBA from Loyola Marymount University and spent several years working in the corporate world before creating a business that integrated into the community. She resides in West Los Angeles with her four children. Welcome, Tammy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I look forward to this. Oh, this this is going to be great fun. First of all, I want to talk about the biggest CEO job that you have of all, and that is raising four kids. <laughs> um, that is that is the biggest and the most fun and the most connected, I have to say, and actually the best way to learn how to be a CEO. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it is being a CEO of a family is definitely uh, a big job and big work. But let's talk about the story behind the story. How did you arrive in the real estate business? Because you've had some interesting challenges along the way. Right. So I actually, what happened was, is I worked in production, um, entertainment, in the entertainment business in Los Angeles. And I, on the side of that, I would flip houses at night. It was when Home Depot was actually open 24 hours and I'd go to Home Depot and I'd do little projects (laughs) and I'd be flipping houses. And I actually was making more money flipping houses than I was in my real job, um, so then I decided that I would do that. So I, I did that. And when I went to sell the houses, I was so disappointed in what people were doing to sell the houses. I was like, there's got to be a better way. So that's, that's, that was the start of it. And I actually um, took a lot of the principles I learned from the entertainment industry and put them into my company now. Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it's interesting to apply the principles of the entertainment industry and how you would market an entertainment product and applying that to the process with with real estate. I mean, it's, in a sense, it's it's about how you're marketing what you know, what what's the theme, right? What's the movie? Right. Well, it's also like it's a lifestyle. So it's, you know, for in entertainment, everything is immediate. Everybody wants things immediately. And in real estate, people want things immediately, but but agents weren't doing that immediately. They were, there was a lag in just communication. And so I took all the print, like really the principles I learned from the business side of the entertainment, and I applied them to real estate. And I actually set my company up like you would a production company, where there's the executive producer, the producer, the production manager, and the people around them, instead of just independent contractors kind of running around trying to, trying to do everything. Everyone has a job in my company like you would run a normal company, you know, company, not a broker. Brokerages are different than that. Really. Well, talk a little bit more about that because you, you mentioned the independent contractor model versus what I hear you saying is a work family or a day family. Exactly. Exactly. So the independent contractor doesn't work because everyone gets burnt out in real estate because you have to be everything to everybody and good at everything. Well, that's impossible. It's, it's not even, it's not even how we're built, right? So people are built to thrive in certain areas. So what we do is we actually do um, what's called the culture index for people before they come in a survey to see what drives them. And then we match them to the job that drives them and the, the best at in our company. So that people are actually doing what they're best at and they love it because they're doing what makes them happy. So they're not expected to be a Jack or Jill of all trades. They're expected to come in, bring their best, brightest selves and grow with the team. And and talk a little bit about how that benefits the client or the end user? The end user, I mean, it, it, well, you're not getting someone that's burnt out or that doesn't want to talk to you. And you always have someone that's available because it's a team. So the end user always, you know, if there's an issue, they want to talk to someone within 20 minutes, not in a day, a day later, right? So it really serves the client um, 
just to be connected at all times, there's always someone available to talk to. The people at the other end aren't burnt out. They're actually excited to talk to them. And they actually know what, like if it's they're talking to them about marketing, they can talk fluidly with them because that's what they're doing and that's what they're passionate about. So it's, it's worked out really well, actually, really well. Well, it's interesting. You've been recognized by Good Housekeeping in 2016 mm-hmm. as an receiving the Awesome Woman Award, <laughs> Awesome Women Award, rather. Um, talk a little bit about that because Good Housekeeping, having that seal of approval, I think says a lot. Yeah, I mean, for, one th- for, for me, for women, I think that we as women need to build up women. And when we all rise, when we help everyone rise, all women, we rise together, right? I, when I started in Los Angeles, actually, I worked for Sharon Stone as her assistant and it wasn't really that way, um, bringing women up. And I remember thinking, sometimes you can learn from the bad, right? So I remember thinking when I, when, if I ever become something, I want to bring all these women with me and I want us to rise together where I think that that makes you a more powerful person and everybody around you powerful too. And I think that's really important. Um, It's like. Yeah, it's like together we rise, all, we raise all ships, right? It's like not just right. for me, but it's everybody around me, and everybody, everybody gets to win. Right. And in entertainment in LA, in the past, it hasn't been that way with women. It's almost like the powerful, a lot of some women, but some of the powerful women will kind of keep the other ones down. But we have to rise together. So I'm really into that and helping. I mean, all of my friends and all of my work family, and I mean everybody I touch, my daughters, my daughters' kids. It's like, and even you know, going into the Life Change Warrior Program for women. It's bringing these women up and helping them rise and see what their purpose and passion is in life and that we're all connected and we're all one. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you about. And this is one of the things that really drew me to want to speak with you on the show. (coughs) Excuse me. And that is the philanthropy that you do through the Life Changers program. Talk about how that, that, that corporate ethos is touching lives in many different areas. Um, So when I originally started the giving, or it was called giving back originally, we would just give money to people. And I didn't see what it was doing to change people's lives. And I really want to go in and change, be a life change warrior and change people's lives so that they star in the life that they love. And everybody has a different life that they love, right? Indeed. um, Right. So I had, when I was raised, I had a lot of things that happened to me that were, I didn't have the best, um, you know, a lot of things happened. And I've done a lot of work over the years on you know, on my lifeline on, you know, what happened, what happened and why, and the, you know, really the voices that you have in your head telling you you're not worthy and all of those things going to, how do you break that down? How do you get through that? How do you find your purpose and passion? And then how do you do it? So we developed this course myself and two coaches that's called life change warrior. And we basically take the women through and homeless women through really their life, like what happened to you and why? Because they have to tell their story to let their story go. And then we take them through their life, their warrior statement is who are you as a person? And then their warrior code of like, these are my values and this is what I stand for. And then we do some what we call bouldering work where we get rid of some of the voices, show them how to get rid of the voices and reprogram the voices in their head to be positive, so negative. And then we end up doing a life board, touching on the five areas of their life with goals, very specific, like three of them just got their GEDs. And it was like, okay, how are you going to get your GED? So by, you know, October 1st, I'm going to call and I'm going to find a place to get my GED. By October 10th, I'm going to sign up for my GED. By se- So it's very specific and little. And at the end, you know, get my GED by in two months. And three of them, I mean, the, only the three that wanted to do that got them. Everyone that, when you put it on your board and you make small, specific steps, you can achieve anything. 
And that's what we were teaching. We're teaching them to do so that they can start living and creating the life that they love. So, so the program is, it's within the, commu- it's within your local community that you, how do you, how do you find these women? How do you outreach to, um, to, I work with a lot of homeless charities. So I know a lot of, you know, I've been working with that for a long time. So like our next one is with Venice Arts. So it's at risk youth that are doing it with us. Um, and then I just had some meetings actually that to take it across the city actually, because it's teaching them to fish. We can get them housing. We can get them, but then what, what, they don't know what they want to do then. Right. Yeah. So if they know what they have purpose, if they have connection, homeless people have connection because they're connected on the streets, but they don't have purpose and passion. And if you don't have purpose and passion, you can't be fully lit up. I hear you. So I hear you. So it's lighting I, them up, you know, I, I want to uh, dig a little deeper here and ask you about the, the, the call to work with the homeless population, because obviously there's something there. Yeah, well, I'm in the business of homes. So, you know, and I know, I know how emotional and passionate people are about their homes. And I can't even imagine not having one. Um, I, you know, truthfully, when I was 12, the first person I gave to was a homeless um, pregnant woman. So, and I was 12. And um, I don't know, it just meant a lot to me. I mean, I, I did, I gave her money. She, I, we actually picked her up on the street and brought her home with us. And um, she wanted to get back to her her boyfriend and her aunt and she didn't have any money. So I, I was 12 and I gave her $44. That's all I had and put her back on the bus. And I made her write me an IOU and gave her a self to dress stamped envelope to send it back to me. And I, my brother laughed at me cause I gave her my entire savings. This was in the seventies or eighties, early eighties. Um, and then two years later she wrote me and she's like, you know, you saved my life. I had my baby. I'm married. I, you know, I could have never done this would have never happened without you. And and thank you, you know, and, and wow. my brother like, I know, I know. And, <laughs> what a great and, story. And everyone always goes, did, did, you know, did she pay you back? I don't know why they asked that question. And it's like, but the, no, but the universe has over and over and over again. Right. Isn't that the right? truth? We're going to need to jump off for a break. And when we come back, we're going to carry on the conversation with my guest today, Tammy Halton Pardee. And to learn more about the work that she does in Southern California and her Life Changers program, please visit HaltonPardee.com, on Twitter at Tammy Pardee, and Facebook, it's Halton Pardee. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that's a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappy at harvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if. Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? 
Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we're continuing the conversation with Tammy Halton-Pardee. She is a leader in action in Southern California. And prior to the break, we were talking about her philanthropic program that she runs through her business entitled Life Changers, or Life Change Warriors, rather. Yes, Life Change Warriors. (laughs) And um, this is incredible work, working with um, homeless women in the community to not only support them having housing, but really support them in in creating a life for themselves, a life of meaning, a life of passion and purpose. Talk a little bit about your own life, managing this thriving business, um, your philanthropy that you do, and these four kids as well as your own well-being? Um, well, that's funny because I think as women, we give so much and we have a problem receiving. So the last two years, I've actually worked on receiving and really self-care and self-love because what I've realized is if you don't love yourself first, it's like it's the oxygen mask. It's the same thing. So, you know, I've really, it's funny because like every morning what I do for myself is I walk to the beach and I get a coffee and I have my weights and then I go dance on a lifeguard stand out there for about 20 minutes and just like have fun by myself and remember who I am as a person because I'm really playful and loving (laughs) and that has to come out every day. So you almost have to enjoy yourself and your, and what you love. So for me, that's what I do every day. I love this. I have a vision of you out there on the lifeguard stand because I too am in Southern California and make make it a, a point to get to the beach every day. But I have the vision. You know, like you are that woman that has on her headset that's like dancing up a storm out there on the beach with not a care in the world for those few minutes a day. And that's pretty cool. I, I definitely am. And also just, you know, also I think as women, you know, I, I surround myself with an amazing tribe of people too. I think that's really important of people with like thinking, big thinking, you know, helping the world. And that's really important to me. Um, and I feel blessed by that. Even in my friend, in my work family, and also in my, you know, my, my tribe of women that I'm with. So I think surrounding yourself with love and, and people that want to build you up and you want to build up is really important too. Well, you know, I think you say something really important about congruency, that the person who's showing up on the lifeguard station in the morning with her coffee, weights and music is the person that's showing up at the office, that there's, you know, you are walking your talk and you're trying to make your life holistic and integrated. And I think this is important as a leader. Right. And you know, what has been interesting in those last two years is being vulnerable with my employees and, and letting them know the ups and downs in life too. Because I think a lot of people that are in power or, you know, CEO of a company don't allow people to be, they don't, they don't allow, they're not allow people to see them for truly who they are. And that's actually been really powerful for people in my company because they're like, wow, you know, we can all do this and it's okay to make a mistake and clean it up and learn from it and move on. And so I, I, I actually have really allowed people to see me in all of me in the last two years. And that's been empowering for myself, actually, and my, for my kids to know, yeah. and for and for my and my work family, obviously too. 
How old are your children? I have a 14-year-old girl, an 11-year-old girl, and two six-year-old twin boys. <laughs> oh, my. You have got your hands full. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's so fun. It's We have the best. We do dance parties at night. I'm into dancing, you can tell. We like do free take dance parties, and we and then we, I rub their, you know, something I do with my kids to connect with them every night. My girlfriend, one of my best friends, told me to do this, and it's turned into kind of something we do, and it's beautiful, is I rub their feet with lavender oil every night, and we talk. Oh. And even my 14-year-old, like, she, they wait for me to do this. Like, they, I thought, oh, she's never going to want to talk to me, and she's 14, right? And literally, it's like our time. And even if we don't say anything, we just sit there and connect, and it's Usually we do say a lot. They say a lot. And I, I really just try to listen and, and hear them. But it's beautiful. It's something I wish every mom would do. It, it's really a nice connection. What a beautiful practice. And not just the moms. I wouldn't mind somebody rubbing my feet for a few minutes every night. <laughs> and I'm sure and I'm sure you'd like that, too. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. Yeah, that is definitely. And actually, it's funny because my little boys, my six year olds, when I rub their feet, they will rub my feet. They make sure that I they rub my feet too, which is actually beautiful for men, little men to yes. learn to take care of, right? It's, it's, it's nice, actually. It's a nice practice. <laughs> and you mentioned that two years ago, you started letting people see the more vulnerable side of you. Talk a little bit about that. Um, what happened? Well, I think that things, I think that nothing, I think the world happens for a reason always. There's always a greater cause out there telling us what needs to be done. And ironically, I got bit by a huge dog in the eye <laughs> and I almost lost my eyesight, which caused me to go, I need to be seen for who I am. And it was just, it was, it was so on point. This huge dog bit my wow. eye and I literally almost thought, I was like, I need to like, just be real and be me and let myself be seen as me. It was definitely, to say the least, eye-opening. Yeah. So, um, right? <laughs> um, and it changed my life. And it was, at the time, I cried. I'll never forget it. It happened. I cried all night. Then I woke up in the morning and my friend was like, wow, this is like rock bottom for you. Because it was, you know, and I I was just like, I need, things need to change. So I started kind of almost a spiritual journey. And two years later, I, well, I, 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 I would say a search. I started a spiritual search because I didn't really understand that part. And now it's like the search is over and my journey is really just beginning. So, but my entire company saw me go through the two years of ups and downs and, you know, and actually I've sent a lot of them to this, doing the same work that I've done, which has been great. So we're all kind of in it together now. <laughs> and even my well, clients are in it. <laughs> well, it's funny because it makes a, a, a definitely a more cohesive um, organization, you know, professional organization when you're speaking the same language, the vocabulary uh, uh, of the uh, core of the company is is similar. And I, and I think that's wonderful. I, I, you also um, contend with MS. And so you have mm -hmm. done all of this. You have built this company, birthed and raised these children, give given back to the community all while challenging something that for those of you who don't know or have not been touched by it is significant. Right. You know, here's the thing is, is for when I first got diagnosed, I was so, I was like living in fear and so scared. And I did that for a few months. And then I just realized I'm like, I need to start living my life. And actually it was a driver to living my life purposely and passionately because you don't know if you're going to be in a wheelchair tomorrow. Right. Right. So you want to live, like fully live. So in a, in a strange way, it's actually a positive. 
because I started being like living my life on purpose and I started doing my vision boards and going and being like, what do I want? How do I want to live my life? Who's my, you know, what do I want for myself, my family, my career, my community? Um, and that was actually the start of the Life Change Warrior program is, is doing it on myself first. And not, then I wanted to take it to, to, you know, the homeless. And I actually, my entire company goes through the Life Change Warrior program too. So everybody that works for me has gone through the program as well. That's fantastic. Is it is it open for lay people? I mean, for, for other companies? Yeah. So we're just, yes, it is. So we're just starting, we're doing, um, we, we're starting in January. We have our first class with, with just, you know, well, we've done over a hundred people throughout my company and my, and a few other companies. And in January, we have our first class with women. We only take about 10 women at a time, 10 to 12, because we want to keep it very small and intimate. And then we run on Wednesday nights for three Wednesday nights out of the month. Uh, they're about three hours, and it only takes about nine hours altogether. Oh, it's, it's fabulous. Are you women only at your company, or, or you have men as no, well? No, we have men, too. We do men, too. Um, so we, But we, when we do the program, we, we, we do have men or women together because sometimes the lifelines can be really emotional for people, and I want to make sure everyone feels safe yeah. in the group that safety is big for me for women, especially that have been hurt in any way. So I just want to make sure that they feel safe. So we do, we segregate the groups when we do the life change warrior. It sounds like a phenomenal program, actually. It's cool. It's cool. You want to come do it? You're welcome. Yeah. I think I might, it might be fun. It, it's make- really fun. It's really, it's fun. And then you become a life change warrior once you do it, because you have the tools to, to move people forward too. So everyone that graduates, that's what they are. And then they pass it forward. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, taking it throughout the world, really. Isn't that happiness? I mean, isn't that, you yeah. know, taking that good stuff and sharing it with others and elevating others? I mean, to me, that is, that is joy in action, happiness well, in action. It's funny because when I do the work, I get out of there and I have chills all over my body all the time. Like I'll like just start chilling my whole, and I'm like, that's some, that's a higher power talking to me. And then it was so funny, even we go in to do the life boards to the harvest home and Mike Posen, who's, or Posner is um, kind of a famous singer. He sings a song. He was serenading us going in like it just oh, randomly wow. on the streets. He's like, what are you girls doing? We're like life boards with them. He's like, start serenading us with that. And I'm like, this is God talking to us. This is, this is like all happening. It was, it's amazing. It's amazing work. It's, it's truly is. It's my calling. That is definitely my calling. Oh, it definitely sounds like it. And it sounds that you've taken that calling and continue to thrive and impact others to, to, to build a thriving lives for themselves. Tammy Halton Pardee, thank you for joining me to learn more about Tammy's work and the Life Change Warriors program. Please visit haltonpardee.com on Twitter at Tammy Pardee. And the Facebook page is Halton Pardee. And here are a few words before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Lisa Druxman and Tammy halton Pardy, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember... Happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. 
Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of Consciously Curated Talk Radio from the Heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on Toginet, iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.